Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. After a couple Sundays off, not off church, but off from the podcast, we are back. And we are with a brand new series, Eight Parables of Jesus. Now, Jesus spoke many more parables than eight, but we're just looking at eight. It's going to take us up to around the Christmas time, and then the new year, we'll start a brand new series. But today we got started in Matthew chapter 13, a very popular parable, very tricky parable. And I talk about that in there this week. And it's a Jesus' first parable. It's a parable, it's called the parable of the sower, but it's really a parable of the soils. And we get into that this week, and I hope it's encouragement to you. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Matter of fact, we're one weekend, and the next week I am not at my church. I am going to be out of my church next week. So someone will be speaking for me. So either if I get time before I leave, I'm going to record a, a special podcast and we'll put it on there, or I may be off next Sunday. Or I may have a guest speaker on here. Maybe I will have my brother record and we'll put that on the podcast, considering some different options. So without further ado, let's get you into the very first parable we're talking about this week, the parable of the sower or the soils. Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, as we begin the new series we're looking at eight parables of Jesus. Now, I don't remember. I should have done a better job as a teacher and looked up how many parables are in there and everything, but it's not like I'm going to quiz you at the end, and it's not like you're going to necessarily remember that little detail. So, But there are several parables. There's a lot more than eight, but we are going to look at eight selected parables that will take us from now till the week before Christmas. And then we'll have Christmas, no Sunday school and Christmas, and then we will have a brand new <coughs> series for the new year. So these eight parables, we're going to start with the first of, of the parables, and we're going to look at a, a familiar parable, but one that has a lot of different interpretations. Not interpretations in the sense of, uh, what does this mean, this mean? And that's where a lot of people go wrong on parables. Where a lot of people go wrong on parables is they try to find meaning in every little part of the parable. The parables have one central meaning, and, and there may be some application from that, but not everything has a meaning. There's not a hidden thing in there. And though, But though I say there's not a hidden meaning in there that you may not know, what I am going to say is these parables were given by Jesus to reveal truth but and conceal some truth. What do you mean by that? Well, we're going to read his verses. I'll read them quick here in a little bit. But Jesus is going to say to his disciples, not everybody's going to get this. And he had a lot of followers, you got to remember. And a lot of those followers were just following him because they wanted the free stuff he was given, the healings and the food and stuff. And so he would give these parables, and to those true followers, they understood them, and, they, and it was a help to them in this time. And then for those others, they were like scratching their heads saying, this makes no sense. And they were just going on trying to get their free food or healings or whatever. But these parables were great helps to the disciples and now to us. This first one is entitled the parable of the sower, but really it's a parable of the soils, and it's the soils represent our hearts. So I just want to jump into the text. In uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, And the same day Jesus out, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And a great multitude, they continued to follow him, but here they are again, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, and here's this parable, Behold, a sower 
went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Now let me stop real quick. You know what I mean when he says a sower went to sow? It's there in that, that custom in that day and how they a lot of times would do their farming is that someone would walk and they would kind of picture them holding, it's not a bucket, but they would be holding something, sometimes a cloth or something up with their seeds in there and they'd be going and they would be sowing the seed. They would just be taking seed, throwing it along their field, all right? So they're just taking the seed, they're just scattering their seed into the field like this. That is what a sower would do to get ready for the crop, for the harvest. And so here it says what, what the parable is going to set up is he's going to sow his seed and it's going to land on different types of grounds. Those different types of grounds represent hearts and how they receive the seed. And we're going to see in here the important thing is who is the sower, what is the seed, and what are the types of hearts that receive the seed. That's the keys that we want to get at. The third one can be tricky. And we'll maybe get into some of that. But let's get in. So he says, the sower sowed some of the seeds. And then the first ground, it says, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. So this seed kind of went and landed off the side of the, uh, off the side of the, what's been tilled up. It's kind of the hard ground. It just lands on top. It doesn't get into the ground. And the birds just come and take that seed up immediately. They just snatch it right up. And that's the first part he gets. Now he, Jesus, the great thing about this is Jesus will explain his own parable in a minute. So we'll just go through this part quickly. Then the second one, verse 5, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. So there's a little bit of dirt on this one. Forthwith, they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And this is what it says here. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. So here's some that lands on not necessarily the hardest ground possible, but it lands on some ground that was very shallow. They had a, I can't remember the word that they would have back then, but but there was a rock, I'll just use the word rocky terrain, kind of underneath some of that soil. And so there wasn't a lot of depth in that soil. So what would happen is this one, it sprang up very quick, but it had no root system. There's nothing there. And so when the sun came and scorched it, there's no root system there because it's up against those rocks and that, that uh, boy, I wish I could think of that word, but whatever, the bedrock. There it is. It's a bedrock floor there. And it just right there. So it scorched it, it's dead, it's gone. Just like that. Sprung up real quick but it's gone. And then in verse 7, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. So this one lands, and, and, and the weeds and the thorns, the thorns has the idea of the weeds as well. And, and, and so it grows up, but it grows up among the weeds and the thorns. This is like my garden, <laughs> whenever I have to do a garden, basically. But, uh, when, but it, the, it comes up, and it, and it does bear fruit. I mean, it does come up, and it springs up, but the thorns are there, and the weeds are there. They're all fighting for the same nutrients. They're all fighting for the same water. And eventually, the weeds and the thorns just kind of choke that out, and it's no more. But then, he said, this, the last seed, same seed, but it's landing in a different soil, but other fell on the good ground. Notice what happened. It brought forth fruit which is what you want when you're sowing that seed, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And then Jesus says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So you got the parable, the gist of it. We're going to get to the explanation of it in a second. But you got a sower, and he's sowing the seed. Some land on the very hard ground, some land on the shallow ground. So you got the calloused or hard ground, the shallow ground. 
Then you got the, the crowded heart, the crowded ground that was the weeds and the tares. Then you had the good ground. And so then Jesus stops his parable. That's it. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou in parables? Why are you talking like this? Why are you telling these stories? Why are you telling these parables? And he answered them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, imagine him pointing maybe at some, it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. So that's his Isaiah. He's going to quote the Old Testament here real quick. He says, which said, by hearing ye shall hear, and, ye, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not, shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross. So he's talking about the multitudes. Here he is, and he's got his disciples, his 12 disciples. But he's got, remember, that great multitude that's following. And I'm going to explain this briefly here in a minute. But he's just saying, listen, I'm talking to you in parables because there are some people here that they don't really care. They're dull in their hearing. They can't see. They don't grasp it. So I'm speaking to you in parables, and you're going to understand the truth. I'm going to explain it to you. But they're, never, they're not going to get it. It's kind of like... I was trying to think all week of how to best illustrate it. I don't know if there's a great way. But it's kind of like when I went to Honduras and everybody's speaking Spanish. And they all understood it. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah. <laughs> And I didn't know. I was there for an emissions trip. I was there and trying to help people. And I was enjoying it. But they were having a full conversation. I'm just smiling, going like this. I had no idea. So then I look, and I talk to uh, the missionary, and we're speaking in English, and then they, the Hon Honduran, Honduranian, Honduran people, they were smiling, going like this. They had no idea what I was saying. And so it's kind of like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm speaking to you a truth that you're going to understand because you believe in me to be the Messiah. But these that don't believe, they're not going to get it. And the same thing happens with the Word of God today. Some people look at the truths that we believe and we worship and we study and we say, and, and we would take the word of God and we believe this. We pattern our lives and our family after the word of God. And some people look at us and say, that's crazy. I can't believe you believe that. And we may look on the other side and say, how can you not get this? This is, this is because they, weren't, they don't believe Jesus Christ. So that's where he's going. In verse 15, he says, For the people's heart wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for, ye, for they see. He says, you guys, though, you disciples, you're blessed. You can see, you can understand, you can hear. He says, your ears, they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. But then he says this, verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. He goes, hear, hear, let me explain it to you guys. So all the disciples, that picture just gathered around, like, all right, finally, what were you saying to us when you were talking about sowing the seed? They understand the picture, because Jesus, it's an illustration. He's just using an illustration that you would understand. And I would understand. They understand all that, but what does it mean? So Jesus says, hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one and catches the way that which is sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth the seed by the wayside. 
Now, you could go over to Mark and you can go to Luke and there's parallel passages. So this parable is given in Mark and in Luke. So you could go to all those different passages and you can see from here and there that the seed is the word of God. So the seed is the word of God. So the illustration of what we are sowing is the word of God. The pastor is going to get up and preach today. He's going to sow the seed of the word of God. I'm right now currently sowing the seed of the word of God. The seed of the word of God more specifically here is the gospel. The gospel is contained in the word of God, but more specifically what we're going to see is he's talking about the gospel. And so when you and I share the gospel with someone, when someone preaches the gospel, that gospel is the same seed, the same gospel that spread. You may notice that the sower is no age requirement. It didn't say you've got to be a certain age in order to give the gospel, sow that seed. No. Children can be effective soul winners. Young teenagers can be effective sowers. They can tell their friends about Jesus Christ. People that are elderly can be effective wherever they are. Middle age. There's no requirements on that. You don't have to have a specific degree. You don't have to have a master's degree in ministry to share the gospel with somebody. You don't have to be saved for a certain amount of time. Do you realize some of the most effective soul winners are those that just got saved? And they don't understand everything, but they can go to their friend and say, hey, can I tell you about what just happened to me? And that's effective. People can see the change. So there's, no, there's some of these things that some, the excuses that we might use or you might hear on why we don't share the gospel with people are not there. Jesus just says the sower, the person that proclaims the gospel, the person that spreads that seed, that is the sower. The seed is the gospel. And that's, that's the word of God. But then the soils are where he's going to focus. And the first one he says, that, and I go back to reading in verse 19, he says, this is a person that hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. So it's not getting into their heart. And this happens. You share the gospel with someone, pastor will preach the message, someone will sit in a service and they're like, I just don't get this. It doesn't make any sense to me. They don't understand the truth yet. Others, and this could be represented as well, are just belligerent towards it. They don't want anything to do with it. They, I don't want this. They'll shut the door in your face. They'll come to church because someone invited them and they have to be there. They'll sit with their arms crossed. I don't want to be here. I don't want this. They're not allowing the word, the seed, to penetrate the soil of their heart. I don't want this. That's his first one. And you know what happens? And this is a good warning. Because he says, he says, the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. This is the hard heart. This is, I don't want that. I don't understand. I don't want anything to do it. And what does Satan do? Did you see? He says the wicked one, representing Satan, comes and takes that seed. And it's a reminder that we are, we are in a spiritual battle. We're in an absolute spiritual battle. When our pastor gets up there to, teach, to preach today, there's going to be a spiritual battle in that auditorium. And if anyone walks in that auditorium that's unsaved, Satan is going to try to steal the seed of whatever is preached. Whatever is preached. And if there's anyone in there that's backslidden or away from God, and there's maybe the point in the message that's going to help, and the Spirit of God is going to be trying to draw, to draw them back, but the Satan and his, his system is going to be trying to steal that seed, distract in whatever way he can. That's one of the, one of the ways that Satan is, is effective, sadly, in many people's lives. And so, but this is the hard heart that does not want it, rejects it, and the seed, gone. Just like that. This person definitely is not saved yet. 
But then he says there's a second one. Verse 20, but he that receiveth the seed in the stony places. Remember, this is the seed that landed in that bedrock, that ground is there. There's not a lot of soil. It says this, but he that receiveth the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, or immediately, with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but doeth for a while, for when the tribu the tribulation of the persecution arises because of the word, and by and by he is offended. A lot of debate on this person here, whether he's saved or whether he's not saved. Doesn't matter to me which side you land on. We can make application to both. But here's this person. They received the seed. So that gives me a little bit of thinking that, because the Bible says, in, in, and I'm not trying to play into this too much, but it does say in John 1.12, He that receiveth the... Jesus said to them, I just quoted this thing like 15 times to my brother and them just a few minutes ago. Um, boy, John 1.12 is the passage, all right? But he that receiveth the word... Man, I don't know why, and you guys must be intimidating. I just lost it. Someone look up John 1.12 for me real quick. My wife's going to get it. It's... Or someone get John one twelve because it's going to drive me insane. But it talks about receiving the word, and many there it is. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. We've got to receive Jesus Christ. I could not get that all of a sudden. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the son of God. This one, he says, he does receive the seed. So you could make application that he got saved. A lot of people say no way this person got saved, possibly. But either way, they receive the seed, but there's no depth there. And so they merely spring up. And you may see some people, they come to church and all of a sudden they're like, yes, this is the greatest thing. This is life-changing. And then three weeks later, you don't ever see them again. Well, what happened? They sprung up in excitement. But it says here that when tribulation, what is the words he used in this text? When tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, and by it he is offended or he stumbles. It's gone. All of a sudden, they just, where'd they go? And they sprung up fast and things looked great, but all of a sudden they're gone. Many believe this could be someone with a false profession. And someone in the sense that didn't count the cost. Someone that just, they, they liked maybe what they saw in others and they were hoping maybe for that. They didn't, they didn't, but they didn't place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They just wanted a better situation. They sprung up quick, got involved, and then they just fither away. They're gone. You never see them again. I, it's hard for me to say. But either way, this isn't the good ground. This isn't the desired result. This one started to see a little promise. They weren't the first person. The first person said, I want nothing to do with that. I reject it. This one seemingly got excited about it, maybe received it, faded away. You never see him. But the third person is the one that breaks my heart because this third person is the one I think we see all the time in church. I mean, I've been in church 40 years. I'm 40 years old. The third person is the one I see too often. I've seen it in my life at times. But here's the third person. Look at what it says in verse 22. He also that received the seed among the thorns. You remember that one? That when the seed was cast, there's soil there. and it's, So it got some depth. It wasn't on the bedrock or the rock, but... So, it, But the thorns are there, and the weeds are there. So it says, He received it among the thorns, and he heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now here's a person. They heard, and I, they, received the, they received the word of God. And it says, They becometh unfruitful. So it seems to indicate there was a time when there was some fruit. 
They, they sprung up. It wasn't real quick and they were gone. I mean, but they sprung up and things were pretty good. But all of a sudden, here comes the weeds and here comes the thorns along with them. And they got caught up and choked by the weeds and the thorns and all of a sudden they're gone. This is an individual that they're coming to church. They've made a decision. You may even got involved in some church activities. You can see some fruit in their lives. But all of a sudden, sports for their kids and they start missing. All of a sudden, they got some projects they're doing and they miss a week and then they miss another week and then they miss another week and the cares of this world. And now it may start with some big things that they had to miss for, but then you get, you know, if you get out of the rhythm and you're just gone for a while, you can just, and all of a sudden the cares of this world begin to choke in a sense, is the picture here. And now you don't see them. I gave an illustration, I won't give the name because I do put this on the podcast, but I gave an illustration when we were just sitting around praying this morning, my dad, my brother, and Matthew, and we are talking about this. I brought up a couple of names. I said, it's people that were probably here before any of you were here years ago. Maybe not Aaron. I don't know. But I said, what about this person? Man, used to be my teacher when I was a kid and all, all into church. And they were here. And I mean, VBS, if we did anything, they were in. Now they are nowhere near. Zach would have been here for sure. Sorry, Zach. Nowhere near church. Nowhere, nowhere near church. Don't even see him. What happened? Is the person saved? I probably it's hard you don't want to go down that road saying or is, and, and let me just shy away from this you don't want to go down the road saying oh, is that person really saved or not our job is not to be a fruit inspector I'm going to be a fruit bearer so I, I don't I don't believe it's the right practice I don't believe I think it's part of lordship salvation it's a whole other discussion I don't think it's my practice to go around saying well Chris I don't know the way you're sitting there I just don't think you're saved I don't, it's not my responsibility. She's the one who told me you weren't saved, but no, it's good. No, yeah. So I don't, I don't think I should be going around trying to inspect everybody. But as a person who used to do funerals, it is difficult to send by a casket of someone that professes to be saved, and I saw nothing. I mean, I don't know. That person I was just referencing that if I was to say to a couple of you, you would know, if I had to do that person's funeral, it would be difficult. Are they saved? Probably. There was years of fruit. But right now, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. If I showed you their Facebook, you wouldn't be, I don't even know if they have Facebook. You would never know. What happened? They sprung up. There was some fruit, but they became unfruitful because of the cares of this world. It would have been trials. Some may be justified. Some may not be justified. It was bad decisions. It was things that got them distracted here. Maybe the kids in this situation, and I'm busy with the kids here. And all of a sudden, church isn't a priority. God's not a priority. And your cares of this world have choked you out. And now, you're not fruitful like you used to be. It's sad. And we see this happen so often and sometimes it's not just the cares of this world but it's it they're stumbling over other things the deceitfulness of riches well i got to get this job and now i'm never i'm never at church or i got to move to this place and there's no church deceitfulness of riches it could be some people just get offended well i didn't like that they didn't say this to me or they they and it's not biblical not doctrinal it's just they get upset about every little thing and i'm telling you the world satan is at work to try to steal the seed not just from person one it may not say it in these others but satan wants to destroy lives the thing that satan does not want is fruit in our lives he doesn't want people saved and if you do get saved he doesn't want fruit in your life 
And so this person is planted, seed was fruitful, but the thorns and the weeds choked them out. But now we come to the good one. Now we come to verse 23. It says, But he that receiveth the seed on the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, and which also beareth fruit. So this person is bearing fruit. Now, again, bearing fruit can be very practical to that illustration. They're bringing forth whatever it is. What, I mean, they just harvested our, the beans yesterday in our field. So it bore fruit. They harvested it. They got it. That's what they wanted. That's what they planned on when they planted those beans to get it. It produced the fruit. But what I may be on the other side of that, what is bearing fruit in our lives? Bearing fruit in our lives, may, what's it look like for a Christian? We just talked about it in one of my, if you were in my class, Bearing fruit could be the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're in a situation where I could be selfish, I'm showing love. In a situation where I could worry, I'm, I'm at peace. A situation where I normally get frustrated, I've got joy. I mean, that's bearing fruit. That's seeing some fruit. But let's say that I get frustrated one day. And I'm frustrated. Does my wife say, mm, you're not saved. No fruit. No fruit. I mean, you're frustrated right now because I didn't have dinner done in time. You're not saved. Frustrated. Is that what we're supposed to do? No, it may just be in that moment I'm not bearing the fruit I should be. I'm not showing the fruit of patience or whatever it may be. But it doesn't mean you're not saved. <clears throat> but this person hears the word, understands it, bears fruit. And notice this. I love this. brings forth some hundredfold, some 60, some 30. But not only do they bear fruit, but they are producing more fruit in the lives of others. This ought to be what we strive for. That when we, hear, we heard the gospel at one point, everyone in here heard the gospel, and I'm assuming everyone in this room accepted it, and they, they, they were saved. It landed on the good ground of your heart. It sprung up, and you were saved, and that's wonderful. And I, I'm assuming every one of you have, have, have been displaying some fruit in your lives, some fruit of the Spirit. Man, sure we struggle with the flesh from time to time. But we're, we're, we're bearing fruit. Maybe some of you, you've led some people to the Lord. So you have been saved, but now you're also producing fruit. You're, you're sharing the gospel with others, and other people are getting saved. You're bearing fruit. That's a wonderful thing. But the question is, for each one of us, are we going to continue to bring forth fruit? He doesn't say here, notice this, he doesn't say that those that brought forth hundredfold are better than the ones, those that brought thirty. And it doesn't say that we need to necessarily be counting how much fruit we're bearing. It just says to bear fruit. So in our lives, as Christians, we need to receive the word and we need to make sure that that word is landing on the good soil in our hearts. And whenever, like today, we're going to walk out there. Now, the, 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 the main application of this is the gospel. And the sower, whoever it may be, male, female, young, old, experienced or not experienced educated or not educated sow the seed of the gospel but know that when you do sow the seed it's going to land on different grounds not everybody's going to be saved and that's what i love about this parable as well i'm going to get so many little things come around because this parable's got so much but here's another thing god doesn't hold us responsible for which ground it lands on he doesn't hold us responsible for who responds he just wants us to sow the seed the responsibility falls on those that hear and so we just need to go about sowing the seed of the gospel. And, you're, and just know that you're going to see some that fade away. They may get mad. Some are going to be excited and then they're going to go away and it's going to break your heart. But some are going to hear, receive it. and They're going to get saved. You know, can I tell this story right here? I was just going to tell a quick story. I may get sidetracked. 
this Friday, if you sign up for my newsletter, you're going to read this again, but this last Friday, um, I was sitting in my office and I got a phone call from an unknown number from Michigan. If you call me from a number that's not in my phone, guess what? Never going to get answered. I just don't answer. So I didn't answer. It went to voicemail, and when I got the voicemail, I listened to it, and uh, he said his name, and it was a young man that I used to pick up on a bus when I was a bus driver for a church in Michigan. I started picking him up when he was 12 years old in sixth grade. I think sixth graders are 12, so he was about 12 years old. And as a matter of fact, while he was 12 years old, one time he was the last person I dropped off on the bus, and we were talking, and he said, I want to be saved. He called me Pastor Brad at the time I was his pastor, and I said, all right. And so I took the Bible, and we stood, I remember where, where he, what road he was on. I remember his house looked like, difficult family, very tough home. And we sat there in the car, and I shared the gospel with him, and, and right there in the church van, and he, and he prayed and accepted Christ as Savior. And I picked him up after that. And he was coming all the time. He would help me. He was my bus captain, you know, and he would help me. He'd get the kids, hey, come on in, and he was doing great. So now he's 12. He got into the youth group later on at 13, and he's in the teens. He's coming to everything. He's walking to my house all the time. He's growing. Kid, kid's just a sponge. And a couple times he's like, man, I want to be a preacher, and it'll be great. And a couple times that uh, even his, his home life got really bad, and I even considered adopting him at one time if, if it would have got to that point. It didn't. And, but just spent a lot of time with him. He got a little older. I think he'd become like a sophomore, junior, and he met a girl. This story happens all the time for youth pastors. But he met a girl at school. And she wasn't a Christian. She didn't want to go to church. So he would start coming Sunday mornings, but not Sunday nights because he was hanging out with her. And then she didn't want him to go on Sunday mornings because she wanted to hang out with him. So then, or they'd be out later, or maybe Saturday night. So then he was missing Sunday mornings, and he's missing Sunday nights. And then my bus captain on Wednesdays was gone. He wasn't coming Wednesdays. But he's telling me, Pastor Brad, I'm going to be there, though. I'm, I'm still, it's fine. I go, man, you know, I called him by name. And I said, you know, this is not good. This is what I told you would happen. And he was gone. Didn't really see him much. To his credit, he's still married to that girl, which rarely ever happens and kills my illustration to teenagers because <laughs> that never happens nowadays. But he is still married to her, and I give him credit. But he got out of church, and he was gone. Now he's 29 years old, and he calls me Friday, and this number lives in message. He said, hey, Brad, can you give me a call? I want to talk to you. I was like, sure. So I called him back, and um, he's talking to me. He was, in, he was in New Mexico in the military, and he joined the military. He said, I had to get away from my, I, I needed my life to, I needed to become a better man. And he said, I felt like the military is going to do that. And I thought, oh, there's probably a few other ways you could do it, but if, you want, if that's how you want to do it. But he, was, he said, um, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, I've got two kids and one on the way, and uh, we're doing pretty good. He goes, I've, I've messed up a lot of things, and I should have listened to what you said before. And, and, uh, but he said, at night, I'm alone now it, out here in the military. And he said, I just sit there and think about the lessons you taught me. And he said, I just want to thank you for investing in my life. Thank you for being a, a father figure to me in those days. And I want you to know I'm starting to meet with the chaplain and I'm doing Bible studies. And I'm now telling people here that there's hope. And I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. And I'm trying to remember the things that you taught me. And so here's a kid that the cares of this world choked him out. Now, there's some people that would say, I'm not going to go down this road too much, but there's some people that say the first person, the second person, and the third person are all unsaved. None of them are saved. Actually, the majority of commentaries would say that. But there are times when fruit bears and then we get choked out. But 
discipleship, this is not in my notes, not that I don't have notes, but this is not where I plan on saying, but discipleship a lot of times is helping chop down those weeds and thorns so that they can grow. And what happens in a lot of churches is this, we see someone saved, and we're like, great, they're saved, wonderful, figure it out, plug in to the church, just get it figured out. And weeds start growing up around these kids, around these young people, yet around these young families and choke them out. And then we look back and blame them and say, well, I can't believe it, they never were really saved. Well, hold on a second. Maybe that church is just not good at chopping down weeds and thorns. And we need, to have, we need to have more in our lives where we say, hey, I'm going to try to help not only see someone saved, but as they are growing, I want to cut out every thorn and weed in their lives. Now, they have a responsibility in themselves, but we need to help them to grow. And in his case, he faded away on his own and was gone for probably, I haven't talked to him in maybe 12 years. Not that I wouldn't talk to him. We've talked a little bit on Facebook, but 12 years. But now we're starting to see fruit again. And I'm thankful for that. So was this young man saved? Some would say, and some have said to me about this young man, he never got saved. I will always go down fighting for this kid saying, I believe he trusted in Christ as a Savior. And maybe now we're starting to see some of that fruit years later. So the seed, we've got to, our responsibility, and I'll wrap this up, is our responsibility is to have a soil that's ready to receive the Word of God. All of you have assumed and have received the Word of God and you're saved. That's wonderful. But we're still going to be receiving the Word of God and have our hearts ready to receive it and apply it. Our goal is to see seed that, that are, or to bear fruit that bringeth forward, whether it be hundredfold or some sixty or thirty. We want to bear fruit in our lives, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you're educated at. But that is the parable that Jesus began to tell his disciples. And if you think about why, you take yourself back 2,000 years ago. Why would Jesus be telling him, well, you remember these, these disciples are about to go and turn the world upside down in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, they're going to be sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. They're going to see some saved, 5,000 saved here, 3,000 saved here. They're going to see some, but they're also going to have some reject them. And so I think Jesus is preparing the way and helping them to see, hey, just sow the seed. The power's in the gospel. The power's not in us. You don't have to be crafty with how you do it. You're not a salesman saying, all right, watch this. Here's how I'm going to get them. There are people out there that do that. There are people that have a salesman type of way to give the gospel. And if, if they hold my hand and they say this, then they're really, they're, they're really crafty. The power's in the gospel, not in you and I. All we got to do is share the gospel with people. Some are going to be on the hard ground. Some may be shallow. They're not ready. Some will get choked away, though we want to do our best. Some are going to bring forth fruit. Just sow the seed. Let's pray.